All right, guys, let's talk about Jägermeister. They could have written a totally normal ad here, like a really classic ad. They could have talked about their history, the 56 botanicals. It could have been all salesy and cutesy, but they know you don't care. Jägermeister doesn't want to be like all those other ads you've seen and heard. They just wanted to say two things. Jägermeister is great, but everyone has been drinking it wrong. Damn, that's cold. Drinking it wrong? All right, if that's the case, how should we be drinking it? They are so glad you asked, and so am I, Dad. I'm here to help you. Ice cold is the answer, at zero degrees Fahrenheit to be exact. Ice cold shots of Jägermeister. That's it. That's all they want to tell you. So wherever you are, if you're hanging out with friends or at the bar, call the shots. Cheers with ice cold shots of Jägermeister. Damn, that's cold. And remember to check out Jägermeister at www.draftkingsxjägermeister.com. Remember, drink responsibly. Jägermeister liqueur, 35% alcohol by volume, imported by Mast Jägermeister US, White Plains, New York. Lots of things go better together. Hockey, food, golf, peanut butter and jelly, Gojo and Golik, Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. What? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. Growing up playing sports, I learned really quickly that how you do the little things is how you're going to do everything. That's why coaches always harped on us about having our hand behind the line on sprints or picking up our locker because that was going to directly translate to critical moments on the field, making sure we're lined up right, taking the right steps so we can go out there and execute and win ball games. Small actions can have big benefits, just like how taking care of your gut can support your entire body's health. That's where our friends at Seed come into play. Seed's DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic is going to benefit your gut, skin, and heart health in just two little capsules a day. I just got my welcome kit and started taking Seed's DSO-1 myself and I'm loving it. I love the convenience of being able to have it in the cabinet with my other supplements because you don't need to worry about refrigerating it and I love the free travel vial that comes along with it. I'm constantly on the road and so being able to take DSO-1 with me on the go is huge for my lifestyle here. I'll tell you what else I love is the fact that it's backed by science. DSO-1 was developed in collaboration with Seed Scientific Board and based on their foundational work in probiotics and the microbiome and with new clinical trials and breakthrough research published in top scientific journals, Seed's probiotic Research, development, and innovation programs make DSO-1 a product you can trust. And it's great in convenience, too. Probiotics and prebiotics work best when they're used consistently, just like any other routine health habit. And Seed subscription service is going to easily help build DSO-1 into your routine, again, with no refrigeration required. So, trust your gut with Seed's DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic. Go to seed.com slash gojo and use code 25GOJO to get 25% off your first month. That's 25% off your first month of Seed's DSO-1. SO1 Daily Symbiotic at seed.com slash gojo, code 25gojo. Good morning. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Gojo with Mike Golick Jr. That is me. With me, as always, for some reason, also wearing matching polos, Brandon Newman. Brandon, what's going on? Brandon Newman, Louisville, Kentucky, Pleasure Ridge Park High School. It is football season as hell right now. Mike, it's all I want to do. This I, I I went to practice just so I could do that. I wanted to do it so bad, Mike. And to see everyone do it out there living their dreams doing it, Mike. God, it felt good. It felt good. Would you have been a guy that goes with, because that is uniquely like football season being fully back the way it is right now always seems defined by what we get in the live intros would you have been a guy that shouted out your high school or your college high school 
high school, high school, high school. Like if I would have, if I would have made it, maybe Ball State. You know what I'm saying on some loyalty shit. But Pleasure Ridge Park High School, baby, or or just like Louisville, Kentucky, or like some like Deville, like some kind of like. You know what I mean? Shout out to hometown. Or uh, uh, King Mech once called me. He said, Newman, I don't even know where you're from. Detroit, Louisville, or Detroit, uh, Detroit, Kentucky. Like something, something made up. See, I would love to believe that I would, as a guy capable of making up someplace. Like when Terrell, uh, uh, when Terrell Suggs used Terrell to Suggs. say Ball So Hard University, I had the Ball So Hard yeah. University hoodie for a while. I was all in Beautiful. on it, but I no, without a shred of doubt, my simp ass would be out here so proudly saying Mike Gola Jr., the University of Notre Dame. <laughs> it would, it would uh, erupt out of my hey, soul. Pronouncing all of the letters and yes. syllables perfectly, just given like no other, not, like no other lineman ever has. No, such crisp diction. It would have been ridiculous. So that's how you can tell football is fully back around here. We are very excited about yeah. that. We got a lot to get to. My dad, Mike Golick Sr., co-host of Golick and Smetty, following up Jessica's appearance on the show yesterday, going to join us today. Dad's on the call this weekend with Westwood Run Radio for Sunday Night Football, the Bucks and the Dallas Cowboys. We're very excited about that. We'll talk to him about that. He was uh, talking to the Philadelphia Eagles' new defensive tackle, Jordan Davis, about how big and scary he is and about the Eagles' outlook on this season. Some worst-to-first candidates. we got plenty of good stuff there. As always, if you like it, make sure you download, subscribe, rate, review Gojo wherever you get your podcast. Leave us a five-star rating and a review. Ravens fans who flocked in here for Lamar Jackson's interview the other day, if you stuck around and decided to try one more, make sure you go ahead and like, subscribe, hit the automatic download button. Check us out on YouTube, too. We pointed a lot of people over there with that interview, the DraftKings YouTube page that you can subscribe to. Then go and check out the Gojo with Michael Jr. playlist on there. We appreciate all our newfound. And Brandon, I imagine you got to feel pretty pumped having a bunch of new Baltimore Ravens fans flocking around our Twitter accounts and show accounts. It does feel good, Mike. It does feel good. It feels good for... Um multiple reasons it's one of those things like you need other people to talk to you about it so it makes you feel real so like my some other friends that are baltimore ravens fans hitting me and on some like dude like you just you just talk to lamar and like oh yeah yeah like you'll hear a little bit of a question to your dad about this specifically because and i should have known that what the answer i was going to get but it's about talking to a big celebrity but my thing was i was i wanted to ask like if you would regret anything, because I, on that episode, remember you said I came with some sass at the beginning because I was still like upset about what we couldn't do, what wasn't said, like how I wanted to handle it differently. And it just, it was just all, I realized I was all in my head just because it was Lamar Jackson. Yes, exactly. It tends to be what happens, but we're very excited to have Lamar. We appreciate him stopping by and giving us some time. We look forward to watching him play some football this weekend. Um, Brandon, in the meantime, we had football last night, and good God almighty, the Buffalo Bills circled the hell out of the wagons and kicked the entire shit out of the defending Super Bowl champion Los Angeles Rams. The Bills won 31-10 to on Thursday night football. It was an awesome scene. It was so fi. They brought The Rock back out to do the intros at the stadium again because Dwayne The Rock Johnson is apparently just the voice of the NFL on field now. It, uh, eh. Via via the CFL, like uh, it, it, the XFL or whatever. It, it's it, the history repeats itself. We we'll always remember that. 
He got to go and do a workout with Aaron Donald before, which I was very excited about here because watching that guy lift weights is fucking awesome. But you had that. You had Andrew Whitworth and Odell Beckham Jr. making a surprise appearance with the Lombardi when they were doing the banner ceremony before the game and introducing the team out on the field. I think I saw OBJ even say, man, part of me wants to be out there, but a lot of me is just enjoying watching all of these guys who have put in so much work go and do this, a.k.a. it's kind of nice not getting hit tonight. I get to come here, I get to stunt mm-hmm. with the Lombardi, and I get to not get hit a little bit. But that was about where the good times ended for the Rams. Now, this game was pretty close for the majority of the game, even through the cor- third quarter. It was about 14-10 or yep. 17-10, something like that, in favor of the Buffalo Bills. And then the story just became really turnovers on both sides. It was a sloppy week one game well, for both teams. Buffalo won this game with four tournaments. Two, four turnovers, two interceptions by Josh Allen, four tournaments. So I was thinking about the Dragon Ball Super immediately. Yeah, four, four tournaments tour- of power and the Cell games. No, but I want to say you could spin it and say the narrative was about turnovers, Mike. It was it was a narrative about completed passes, right? Like it was it was just it was just, and then once the passes got started getting completed to the other teams it just became a, like a game of Madden on rookie and it was so entertaining it was really entertaining and you're right like the story of this game to me is overwhelmingly Josh Allen jumped off yeah. the page as the best player oh. on the field for both sides <sighs> and you could say a, a 1b to that was Von Miller and the fountain yeah. of youth experience that's gone on for him since the postseason yes. last year leaving Denver two sacks, two hurries was lightning quick off the edge and really leads into the other thing that he has no right to be both as strong and as bendy as he is. And the defensive lineman that started all of these things that we have now in the NFL off season, tight end, you O-line masterminds that I was at all started because of the Von Miller pass rush Academy where this guy who just happens to be one of the freakier athletes in the last two decades of North American football now is also the guy that wants to study pass rushing at a granular level and teach it to other people. So he's wholly unfair. And Brandon, it leads to my point. The announcer jinxing that went on in the first half of this game was out of fucking control. Because like you said, completion-wise, Josh Allen started off 10 for 10. It was the best start of his career to a season. He was lights out to start the game. Oh, man. And then the next play after Mike Tirico mentions it, throws an interception. Same thing at the beginning of this game. Joe Noteboom. Filling and now replacing at left tackle for Andrew Whitworth, who retired as part of the Amazon group, all that stuff. As soon as they mention him, Gives up a sack to Von Miller the next play. Then we go over on the other side for the Bills, and they talk about what a great job they've done so far corralling Aaron Donald. Sure as shit, the next play, Aaron Donald oh, gets man. a sack off a great Set. push pull yep. on the right guard. It was out of control how dialed in the announcers were to absolutely ruining the lives of the people on field after that. Yeah, man, Mike Tirico was on, was on some shit today, tonight, man, or last night. He, he, he was true for him. Like, I've never seen... I've never heard less of Chris Collins, uh, Chris Collinsworth in a game. It feels like it was just it was just Mike Tirico like doing some uh, R- Russell Westbrook storytelling for this game, and it was beautiful. Like it was the the Josh Allen story, but it was narrated by Mike Tirico with like a chef's kiss level of detail. It was Tirico is I mean 
Al Michaels is a legend. Mike Tirico is probably the best one currently doing it right now as far as play-by-play announcers, especially for the NFL. So that's a big win for Sunday Night Football. Notre Dame football fans, we definitely, you know, miss Mike Tirico. Excited for Jack Collinsworth to do his thing, being a Notre Dame alum. But Mike Tirico is surely goaded in that. But uh, Brandon, I mean, uh, other takeaways from this game. Matthew Stafford, you wonder how much of what we saw last night was the elbow and also was just Matthew Stafford. He ends the game with three interceptions. One of them he was getting sawed in half on at the end of that game. But there were a couple other ones early in that game. I saw Dan Orlovsky and Richard Sherman arguing on Twitter about what went into each interception. And there's always room for nuance about what route a wide receiver was supposed to run, all that stuff. But the bottom line is Matthew Stafford was tied for the league league in interceptions last year. It was him and Trevor Lawrence tied at 17. Now Stafford also threw 41 touchdowns and was incredible during their postseason run. But the last five games of the regular season last year, there were games where Matthew Stafford was a liability for that team and a huge part of why that team lost. And I don't think that's the case. Matthew Stafford is going to do much more winning than losing for the Rams, but With all the focus on the injury that he had to the elbow that apparently goes back to last year, that is a baseball injury that he was rehabbing this offseason and working on this offseason, some of those errant throws and some of those interceptions that ended up being what sealed the game, you're going to wonder all season long, right, wrong, or indifferent, if it's tied back to what he's been dealing with physically and what that means for this team now that allowed seven sacks in this game. Man. That's the other big part of this, man, is all of the turnover on the Rams' offensive line, on the interior, all the turnover now at left tackle for Andrew Whitworth, who when Sean McVay came over to Los Angeles and they signed Andrew Whitworth in the offseason, Sean McVay made it sound like that was one of the more important guys foundationally for what that team was going to do. He said he talked to Andrew Whitworth every day. Not just about football, but about everything. He was the linchpin of that team that they needed. And now in the world without him, it's going to be very interesting because when Stafford came over, part of the appeal was, we don't have to do all the stuff we were doing to cover up Jared Goff. We can sit, drop back, and do five-man protection, spread the ball out, get our receivers going deep downfield because Stafford's got the arm and the moxie to do that. And if the elbow is somewhat of an issue, and if protection is going to be an issue like this, Accounting for the fact that the Bills have a good, young, deep defensive line that Von Miller no doubt was brought there to kickstart, it does maybe make you have a little bit of pause about the Rams, who are one of the few flawed teams and injured teams along the offensive line at the top of the NFC this year. Yeah, Mike, it feels like a chicken or egg conversation for me because as much as I want to herald the Bills for being the Super Bowl favorites for a reason – Right. Yeah. And they've they've had games like this in the past where you like Josh Allen is Josh Allen's lights out and his team is lights out and they could do no wrong on defense even before Von Miller got there. I think the Rams may be one of those situations from like best to worst, quite possibly in their division. And at this time of the year, like it, it was interesting seeing. Like you can talk, talk about uh, the lack of protection, the O line. Obviously, that was it was terrible for the Rams. Or you can talk about Matt's Matthew Stafford's like you know uh, interception problem. But a lot of it looked like that that Sean McVay thing that he just falls into, where it, the offense just doesn't look as crisp, and the the um, 
Jalen Ramsey's just getting blown out. Like it, it was a banner week. Like I think you can, I think you can probably. Uh, it was a party a little bit for them in SoFi, so maybe they weren't ready for how serious the Bills are. But the Bills look like they're out there at practice. Well, and you just saw because usually, and I saw so many people are like smartly commenting and saying. At the beginning of the game, the Bills came out and were a buzzsaw on the first drive. Josh Allen was lights out. Most people say, get past the scripted plays. Teams will script the right. first <clears throat> you know, 10 to 15 plays of the game, dial up stuff that they've been working on all week. And in this case, the first game, you know, probably back into the offseason, knowing how you want to specifically attack that team. A lot of that first drive was still Josh Allen extending plays with his legs, finding guys downfield, throwing into insanely tight windows that even if you're scheming the right play, the margin of error is so small and that guy is so uniquely gifted. I saw you take umbrage with it on Twitter, but I agree. Damian Woody called Josh Allen the best best dual-threat quarterback in the NFL, and he's right. He is. He is the best dual-threat quarterback in the NFL. Brandon, he's – He's the most physically gifted. So I want to I want to just say this. He is okay. the most cl- he is the closest thing to Cam Newton I have seen since Cam. In that I always yeah, said I, Cam Newton fair. was the most uniquely gifted quarterback talent okay. I had ever seen because you could run him between the tackles because of what he posed to you as a threat in that regard. And Josh Allen, we saw the stiff arm in the third quarter that everybody memed into (laughs) oblivion. And we saw the way that he worked down in the goal line and in the red zone when he got loose there. As Stephon Diggs said, he's got that dog in him. He was the leading rusher for this team tonight, in addition to tossing a bunch of touchdown passes for him. He's just built different because in addition to being now as dialed in a passer as no one could have predicted coming out of college, but also just so big and strong and impossible for people to bring down. Yes, I 100% agree uh, up to a point, and I'm going to get back to it, but uh, Walker Carey, one of our uh, classmates at Notre Dame tweeted that it looks like an Andrew Luck and Cam Newton mixed, yes. which I thought was like pr- pr- pretty spot on when it comes to like just the mechanics and how Josh Allen plays. And I agree, okay, I think he is the most successful dual quarterback in the NFL right now. But Damian Woody said talented. And I take some pause with that. And I understand why you said that for Cam Newton, because that's what we saw with him. It looks so easy. And not that it doesn't for Josh Allen, because it really, really does look very, very easy for him. Like scary easy for him. But like Stefan Diggs to Josh Allen, like that's what Cam Newton never had was like that other person that was just like an extension of your arm the way like Peyton Manning and and Marvin Harrison was or, or Reggie Wayne was like it that connection is next level and I think it needs to be taken into consideration but yes Josh Allen is is lights out amazing but I think Lamar Jackson someone we had on his podcast earlier this week is more naturally talented as a dual threat quarterback I think he's a more naturally talented runner I think at this point Josh Allen's a better passer than Lamar is I think that's I mean, pretty. I think yes, that's pretty but, unassailable at this point. And I just think, yes. again, it's it, Brandon. This is like the argument that we have all the time about you know in sports are football players the best athletes or are basketball players the best athletes and what goes right. into the way we factor that. Lamar is is fast in ways that are almost impossible to comprehend at the quarterback position. Like he's Mike Vick esque in the way that he makes people yeah. look out there on the field. And Josh can't touch that, but Josh is a smooth athlete and he's so much bigger and more physical that I feel like you have to account for that the same way that we talk about with like LeBron James in the NBA, where he's yeah. so physically imposing and allows him to do things out there that are just so different than other quarterbacks. So if nothing else, you saw why he is the presumptive MVP favorite. You saw why the Bill 
Bills are the Super Bowl favorite going into yeah. last night. They checked all the boxes there. Now, you saw Roger Saffold get a little bit dinged up in this game. Ed Oliver, I think, dealt with an ankle in this game, who's definitely important to this team. But overall, the Bills went out in the opening stanza in a game that, yeah, had some sloppiness there. The Isaiah McKenzie uh, interception was much more on him than it was on Josh Allen. I would say Josh only had one pick in that game that would really fall into his lap there. They put the ball on the mat a couple of times in the first half, but again, this is sort of like the Kansas City Chiefs when the year Mahomes won uh, the MVP, where he's just, they were third and 15 monsters. They could erase those kinds of deficits in a heartbeat. And yeah. that looks like what this Bills team's poised to be. Ken Dorsey's taken over as the play caller, and I thought dialed some really impressive stuff up. You saw that on the first touchdown of the game when they dialed up on third and one. It was a tackle overload to the left side, faked like they were running power that way, faked like they were booting Josh Allen out there because everyone and their mom and the Rams defense had it covered yeah. dead to rights if Josh Allen was going to be the runner. And then they stuck uh, they stuck Davis behind him, and it was the easiest little pop out there. This, this team has a ton working in its favor right now. I don't think the Rams are like a first-to-worst candidate. I think that San Francisco becomes a much more interesting matchup for them now. Because with the 49ers defensive line, it's the worst possible matchup for this Rams team. But that one is still going to be predicated on is Kyle Shanahan in the usual formula where, like everyone says, can a quarterback really do bad in Kyle Shanahan's system? Have we seen a guy go out there, even when backups have been in there, like when CJ Beathard was in there, all like, can a quarterback be bad in those circumstances because of that coordinator and what he poses to you as a legitimate game-changing threat there? I'd imagine the answer to that is probably no, and especially not for a quarterback as talented as Trey Lance, but I'm not ready to hand this over right away, mostly because we also know the first four weeks of the NFL season have now become an extended preseason. The Rams camp Uh especially, they don't play their starters in the preseason. We talked about how new a lot of this offensive line was. They had injuries in camp, and so – I'm going to give them the first chunk of games here to see how that group gels up front and say maybe kind of like we talked about with Notre Dame and Ohio State, maybe you just ran into a team that's so ready right now and the Bills are so hitting that mode where they are the 100% hunted that this was going to flush the pipes and that as your schedule gets into more of the meat of it and you face comparatively more human teams, maybe it'll give a chance for some of those parts to develop and for the rest of the good that we've seen out of the Rams in the last year to shine through a little more. I, I hear what you're saying, and I agree with you. The Bills are just ready, but they're like not a year away. This is their year. But the Rams, Mike, they might go 500. I mean, I guess you can't go 500 with the new set. With the news. No, 17 games. It's, 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 it may be bleak. It may be bleak. Well, may I'll, be bleak. I'll, I'll say like, this. So, I'm, let me, let me, I don't want to be schedule guy. Let me be schedule guy real quick because they have the Falcons up next. Win. Then they're at the, at Arizona. Then they're at 49ers. Then they host the Cowboys, host the Panthers, have to play the 49ers again, then Tom Brady in Tampa. Then they have to play – like it, it's – there's not a bunch of wins on that schedule in the first half of the season. No, oh, listen, it's it's definitely a hard schedule. It's on paper, I'm sure, one of the harder ones in the league. I don't have the football outsiders numbers in front of me as far as the strength of schedule rankings, but 
I'm sure it's up there, but you also saw during the majority of that game, like we said, this didn't boil over and pop until we got to the fourth quarter. That was when things well, got okay. away from them. That was a couple of the turnovers. It's the at the splash end plays. This. It's the splash plays on defense that the Rams lean on that they need to to, to survive. Mike, it's a big big. They don't say it, but it's bend don't break. And but it worked for them. That's like that, that's that's what it's yeah. been. That's what that's what you commit to when you've spent Until as much money as you've had on. Well, yeah, but again, like I'm just saying, the majority of that game, while I never felt like the Bills were fully threatened. It was closer score-wise than it indicated at the end, and then it got away from him there. It's probably indicative of the fact that, again, the Bills are just – they're Himothy this year. That's 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 Himbo Slice. It's whatever you want. They are them this season, and it showed big time on Thursday night. So the Bills set the tone. Huge opening statement from them. The Rams go back to the drawing board as they have a little bit of an uncomfortable banner night there. It's an exciting start to this weekend. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to talk to my dad, Mike Golick Sr., about the rest of what we've got coming up in the NFL's Week 1. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And if you're new to DraftKings, you got to check this out. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code GOJO. That's code GOJO for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Bees like that. Woo! Football! He's in the trap. Football! 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 Football. 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 Can we get yeah. a sincere football? Okay, can we can we get a I, sincere football of like like how much we care? Like football. Like if we actually could see football and hold it. Football. Or, no, or like man, a question. I watched Ooh, football. Football? Maybe football? you. I know you do it like you're seeing a long lost friend, like you're a white person who's seeing football? their friend football. football. You son of a bitch! You son of a bitch! Get over here and give me a hug, football. Is that football. <laughs> they they let anyone in here. Football. <laughs> football at the front door. Let him in. No, no, no. Tell that guy to get out of here. No, I'm just kidding. Come on over here. We've been waiting for you. Wow. Football, you son of a you bitch. Get over here. How the hell are Why you? Why does generic How love hit so hard? <sighs> it's, it is Hallmark brand. You know what? There's a reason Hallmark sells all those cards. Because generic love, a lot like horoscopes, always just feels like it can hone in. It gives oh, yeah. you room to just figure out how to tail it to you, man. This is me. Just amazing. Can I tell you how, how hard I was ready to football? Did you guys see the clip of Dan Campbell in one of the last Hard Knocks <gasps> episodes? 
They asked him, the 2022 Detroit Lions will be. And he takes like a 30-second pause. I saw it yesterday. Stroking his beard. And then he says, the 2022 Detroit Lions can will be the team that can and will. Wow. And I... I'm not even a hundred percent sure what it means. This is truly the bleeps in Paris. I don't know what it means, but it's provocative. It's the people My going. Eyes were bleeding. It's the people going. I wanted to die for him in that oh, moment. Oh man! You know, it's a, it's amazing to me the difference of somebody normal size saying stuff and somebody jacked like him getting <laughs> yes, emotional. I, There's something about just a jaw yes. jutting. Big, big ass, badass dude getting emotional and getting fired up. You know, it, it just it just takes you in a different spot. It's true. It's true. You, you're right. But this for this in particular scene, I watched it yesterday, Mike. They it, they stayed on his face for 45 seconds, and he just he was like he stopped the brooding, and then he said, "That's a good one." And he said, "There's a lot of different ways I can take it." He said, "A team that can he invented and will." So many different kinds of beard strokes yes. in the middle of that forty-five seconds. Oh. He brushed his facial hair in <laughs> ways that, as someone who's worn a beard since they were like eighteen years old, I can't even begin to comprehend. I didn't know how I had that much to learn about beard stroking. It is impressive, but Dad, I th- Dad, I think you're right. It's sort of like I always said that being a three hundred pound white man. When I would go out to bars and display a little bit of rhythm, people would lose their mind yeah, yeah. because it's so unexpected yep. given the source. Yep. And so when you've got large, Herculean-looking Dan Campbell, because we don't believe that men are allowed to express emotions in the same way, and he starts to sh- – I thought he was going to give us a tear. Yeah. I thought he got choked up enough to give us a tear. That's how ready for football Dan Campbell is. So, Dad, as one of the nation's premier football guys, I feel like that had to resonate very much with oh, you. Oh, it did. I mean, listen, the, the start – really the start of any sport, you know, you're always jacked up for. There's always promise in any fan base. But I think more in more in football than any others because we've seen – we know who the top-heavy favorites are, but we've seen four or five teams – that didn't make the playoffs make the playoffs. We've seen teams that have losing records the year before win the Super Bowl. So I think there's more hope in football than, say, for a lower team in Major League Baseball or basketball, you know, just the way the teams can get get constructed to have a chance to pull off that surprise and go, oh, shit, I didn't expect that. It happens in football more than any other. So there is truly that, that hope by even – I'd imagine even Jet fans, <laughs> you know, have a little True. bit of hope, even though they're not even going to have their starting quarterback for like three weeks. So even – Joe Flacco revenge game, though, to start the yeah, That's very don't true. And and though And they'll probably – they're probably a little less excited, but still there's excitement of you never know. You never know what's going to happen. Now, you're talking specifically about the game in between the lines in, you know, any given Sunday style, but – strategically from a operational standpoint, from a company standpoint, this is a pretty big season for the NFL. This is a tweet from front office sports. Uh, For the first time, the NFL season will host a game in Germany, play a Christmas triple header, launch a streaming service, open sports books at the stadium, allow teams to market internationally and air select games exclusively on their streaming site. Like this is a, a special strange time for the NFL as a whole. 
you know, and, and listen, about time they stepped into the now. They're always last, right? True. The NFL was always made the most money. Now, maybe not comparative to roster size. That would probably be the NBA with all the money we see going around. But, I mean, they, they're making their $15 bill a year. They're basically dent-proof with all the, the sometimes really bad stuff we've seen going on. And it doesn't affect, True. you know, uh, it doesn't affect attendance or, or viewership on the games. And anytime any football disliker or hater tries to say, oh, nobody's watching anymore, there's, there's tenfold reasons to, to look in the ratings on why. You know, people are still watching football, but they're always behind on everything, right? They're always last to market on everything. Uh, why, I don't know. They vet everything out. Maybe they make sure. I, I don't know, but they're last to it, but it still works for them. I mean, I still get such a kick out of the fact that Tony Romo was told not to go to a fantasy draft in Vegas because of the gambling, and now they couldn't be – they're just jumping from bed to bed, you know, for, for gambling sites is the NFL because they found, you know, they, they can monetize it and realize, oh, it's not the big bad wolf, you know, that's going to end the league. And then they become even more rich. <laughs> it is it is a gambling orgy that would make even the Game of Thrones creators yes. <laughs> proud in its execution. Uh, it, but you're right. It, it's it's fascinating to watch that. I think they're always last to it because old white owners, like old white owners who have made money a specific way for a long time and understand they have a pretty unassailable product because when you already look at the week one slate and dad, I want to talk about the game. You're calling games for Westwood one on radio for the NFL this fall. You're going to be more normally the Sunday night games, right? Yeah. I'm going to do it. I'll have one Monday night game. The one in Mexico city with Arizona and San Francisco. Other than that. Yeah. It's going to be Sunday night games. Awesome. But I mean, you just you just look at the week one slate for the NFL alone and you realize why they can drag their feet on so much and why, quite honestly, this is a league that manages to come out on the other side and always be able to brush off all of the awful things that sometimes happen with the people inside the league yep. because they understand they've got the product. And you look in week one already at some of the matchups we have here. Division matchup between Green Bay and Minnesota that I am fascinated by. That might be sneaky the game I'm most interested in this weekend just because there are so many people that seem to be buying the Vikings Vikings this season. You've got Tampa Bay at Dallas for the game that you're going to be at, Dad. Tom Brady, after what has been a chaotic offseason for him, the Cowboys where sex always sells. Cleveland and Carolina, the revenge game for Baker Mayfield. And Monday Night Football. Denver at Seattle, week one, game one, you get Russell Wilson going back so to violent. Seattle now with his new team after so many awkward green screen performances for him. And you look <laughs> at that for the first rattle out of the box and you say, my God, the NBA is going to have to contend with this shit on Christmas Day now. Like the NBA had done as good a job as yeah, any sport have. of planting its flag on one specific yep. day. The NFL had kind of done that with Thanksgiving. But if you're the NBA – Got to be sweating a little bit on this one because there are a few drugs more powerful than football in this country, and I don't know what that does to casual. We were just talking before this. In the world of college football, Notre Dame and Ohio State did 10.5 million viewers for the second largest week one Saturday in any network in TV history. Insane. That's the power of this sport, and so for the NBA to have to go up against that on Christmas Day now is some scary shit. Listen, to, to, to sit there and let's talk about a battle of NFL and NBA, there's no battle. I mean, I know there's some NBA Thank people you. that try and say, you know, they're, oh, they're, they're going to compete. They're not. 
I mean, there's preseason games that, that beat, you know, NBA regular season games, you know, as far as rating. So it, it's just, it's, it's not worth the time and energy of me to sit there and say, there's a battle going back and forth. There's not the ratings for the NFL will be so much higher than the ratings for the NBA. And that doesn't take anything away from the NBA. That's just where people are. The most popular sport is the NFL. And next from a viewer standpoint, I would say is college football before we even get into anything outside of football. So that's just the way it is. So I don't, I don't even think there's a battle or worth saying, Oh, how's this game going to be compete against us? It's not the NFL is going to destroy everybody. What, what do we see at the end of the year? The top hundred shows rating seventy some yeah. are NFL games, and that's the only sport really that shows up that high. So I mean, it, it's it's almost not even worth the discussion. So all the NBA could do when they go, the NFL is going three games on on Christmas is go, shit, they're taking that day too now. <laughs> I mean, that that's yes, really about now, it. Now national media pundits will wait until January to start acknowledging the start yeah. of the NBA season instead of the usual Christmas Day open for this. Uh, yeah, it's it is it is tough and it's really not a contest. No. It's it it sounds douchey. I'm sorry to the basketball yeah, crowd, but yeah. we all know we all know the truth and, and that's kind of how it is. The exists, only reason so. we even think that it's a competition is because we just recently moved to living online. Right? Because everyone on social media, yes. basketball Twitter is sexy and it's the battle of retweets, but the internet is where basketball lives because that's where all the young people live. And guess whose money they're spending? Right. Their parents. While the football is still attacking the parents' wallets <laughs> and purses. Yeah, and I, you know, anytime you say, you know, a kid, you know, spending his parents' money, I think of my daughter Sydney. So that's just, you know, kind of creeps in my mind and yeah. gives me the shakes. <laughs> but I, I, I think, you know, Mike, you mentioned storylines. There is a great storyline in every game, but I think an over and, and one that 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 kind of supersedes because it's really new is while we are into the gambling world now, we're also in the streaming world. We are now streaming a game starting, you know, Thursday night football, the first, and that's it. It's just, that's it. I mean, we're just, yeah. I, I now wait, is it on local, local TVs for the markets, right? Will it be local for the Rams I, and Buffalo? I think it'll, I think it'll be local yeah. for those markets, but yes. And everywhere else, yeah, so we're, you're going to see it on Amazon yeah, prime. We're, we're streaming and I still don't understand it enough on where it's all available, you know, streaming, but what other places it's available, but this is something truly new where somebody new has stepped, you know, it's not, it's not networks, you know, NBC, CBS, ESPN, Fox jumping in and trying to grab. This is streaming now. Something, by the way, that when the the in the college deal, the Big Ten deal, they kind of eschewed the streaming part of it because streaming wanted to get involved. They they from what I heard, they were offering monster money to get involved, and and it didn't seem like college was ready to go down that road where the NFL is. So. That, that to me is going to be interesting on what the reach is. And, and I think the reach is going to be pretty good because everybody streams now. But, but that's truly a new facet to something in the NFL. Now, I will say for week one, you're going to be able to watch this game everywhere. This one's going to be on NBC. This one's going to be on NFL Network, too. So, Dad, I forget what portion in the season the uh, Amazon only was. Right. It makes sense. The NFL's opening nights become a huge event right. for the league. Right. So, this one being out everywhere. But you're right in general. Streaming, getting involved in this. I think college is always going to be behind on that just because you've got university presidents and conference commissioners making these decisions who – have made their living truly in sports. Everyone that's coming over here in the NFL 
is a legit, for the most part, there's some legacy families in here like we see in Las Vegas, but most everyone else is a business person who's made their money outside and comes over here to play around. And so they just applied those sensibilities to that. It's why the Premier League came over right. and wanted to do so many things like the NFL when it started because they recognized kind of how they had built all that. But it is going to be wild. We saw how pissed off Notre Dame fans were when they put that one Toledo game behind the paywall on uh, Peacock. And I think they're doing so, it again for a game, another game this year. And I should have been more clear on the fact that it's not every single game. And tonight, I'm not – the, the first game is going to be on NBC and there will be select games that are just on Prime. So – my fault for not being more exact. Hey, you know what? As we as we hear said every weekend, it's week one for blank two. And in yeah. this case, it's week one for the commentators here. So, uh, Dad, looking at the slate this weekend, I, I do want to get to your game on Sunday night with Tampa and Dallas. I know you're fired up for that one and get to, to go out and be a part of that. You got to go to your first Super Bowl last year doing radio with Westwood One, which – had to be an incredible – was that like a moment – so for anyone that had missed this in the course of my dad's two-decade career, you had never been to the Super Bowl before because you never went as a player and didn't get to play in it, and so you didn't want to be around it because of that, because of pride and all those things. And then last season with Westwood One, you go and you're the sideline analyst for the radio broadcast for the Super Bowl. And I remember you calling me from SoFi talking about how cool it was. Was there any part of you that now in hindsight – feels kind of ridiculous for not taking advantage of access for so many years. Well, no, I I think while I'll say no, uh, um, <laughs> is because had I stayed the other years, I wouldn't have been working it. Now, I could have been credentialed for ESPN and like been in the press box or the auxiliary press box, but I wasn't like working it and I wouldn't have been really working it. Like we would be there all week doing our radio show and for a while, it was Monday through Friday, and then for a while, it was just Wednesday through Friday. So if I stayed, it wouldn't have really been in a work capacity. So I'm not – and we know how crazy it gets at, at that game with traffic and everything. So I never – part of it was, yeah, I never got to play in it, so I don't want to be around it. I'm jealous of those guys. But also in there was I don't want to deal with the hassle. But you know what? When you're working the game, man, there's there's a different vibe. When all of a sudden you're credentialed and you're going in there and you're – you know, you got the microphone and you're on the sideline and you're able to talk to players and it's like, okay, you get to go talk to the coach. Here's Cooper Cup. Go talk to him. And, you know, there's a different vibe when you're standing right on the sideline of the game, you know, and Kurt Warner and I, who's in the booth, you know, are having discussions back and forth on what's happening on the field. And maybe the coolest thing right before the game, I was standing 10 yards from the rock as he was standing on the field, getting everybody motivated. And then he and I chatted for a few minutes before the game actually started. So it was very cool to work it. I'm not going to lie. I, I really dug it. Well, and I mean, for you, you grew up doing college. You, you were doing college football games all yeah. when I was growing up. So now doing this shift to covering NFL games in a league that you played in for nine years, I'd imagine that's pretty wild in its own right, making that jump from college to pro after such a long time. Yeah, you know, it was. Greeny and I got to do a couple of the uh, extra Monday night games. You know, in the beginning when they had the two yeah. Monday night games, it was me and Greeny and Steve Young one time. It was me and Greeny and Mike Ditka one time. So those were the pro games that I, that I had gotten to do. But, yeah, you're right. It was mostly college. And in all honesty, everything being equal, college, quite honestly, can be more fun. I mean, you know that. You, you've been doing the college. It's just the atmosphere around college football I, I think is better than the atmosphere around NFL football. I, I just do. 
just just from the the students and the alumni and and what goes into it. Um, but logistically, NFL. I mean, you're flying to major cities. You're not flying to a major city and yeah. drive like you you're you know like we've gone through. You drive an hour and a half, you know, to go to the the, the small college town, let smaller roster in the NFL. So that way, it's it's a little easier to call. But it is fun because it's something I did for nine years. Now, obviously, people I played with aren't playing anymore. But people I played with and or against are in the media, and I see them all the time at these games. So that's actually pretty cool. You know, it's pretty cool in this game. Dallas, their assistant D-line coach, is Leon Lett. You know, Leon Lett was a D-lineman for the Cowboys when I was playing for the Eagles, and we got to know each other a little bit then, you know. So I run into a lot of the former players that I was with or against, either in the media or their coaches now. So it's pretty cool. As I say to them all, as long as we keep seeing each other every year, things are good. (laughs) Oh, yeah, yeah. Good on both sides, right? Yeah, exactly. Now, is there any uh, player that you got a chance to interview while they were a player that was still kind of like a – I th- you're over the whole celebrity, like, oh, I can't, it's him, it's really him. It's kind of got to probably yeah. got to get into the entertainment space for that. But was there any anyone that, based on who they were and the success that they had on the field, that you were like, man, like, that's that's pretty cool that I got a chance to, to talk with them? No. <laughs> no, no not, yeah. not, not really. I mean, you just, you know, you, you see them all the time. And like I said, way back when you play with them, but stars of today – not really. And you're right when you said it was more, and I even said this when I was doing, you know, the radio and TV, it was more in the entertainment world. Mm-hmm. Because as I've always said, and Mike, you know, Brandon, I'm sure you do as well. Players always wanted to be entertainers. Entertainers always wanted to be players. Yep. I would love to to be able to sing in front of 80,000 people, you know, and be that guy. So that to me, I, I've always been more enamored with the entertainers and actors and actresses of the world than athletes who I see and or cover on a, on a regular basis. Speaking of athletes that you talk to, because I want to ask you, you spent most of your career with the Eagles and they're getting a ton of preseason love right yeah. now, but how scary large is Jordan Davis in person? Your interview with him. So he's wearing number 90 now for the Eagles. It yeah. was the number that you wore for most of your career there. And so they had you do a cool sit down piece with him. Was that the most scared you've been for your life in quite some time? Well, first and foremost, it was very nice of him to ask my permission to wear number 90. Did that happen? That's a joke. I'm oh, kidding. Oh, that did no still. No. Jordan Davis. Brandon, I got him. It was I, the pause. I, you gave him the Dan Campbell pause. I'm I imagining did. Jordan Davis like Bane in the movie putting his hand on your neck. Like, do you feel in charge of this number? Oh, man. Uh, let me tell you, that dude, it was a very, very nice interview to do. Great personality. I did get to cover him a couple of times, as I talked about in the interview, uh, the year they won the, the title last year. But what a great personality. But, I mean, just a massive, massive human being. Tall, wide, thick. I mean, and and now he's so happy because at Georgia – you know, they played a little more read and react. Mm-hmm. And now in Philly, you know, it was with a lot of defenses now in the NFL, it's attack. You know, it's it's you you do your you do your work on the way into the backfield. So now you got a 335 pounder, you know, getting off the ball, you know, trying to reestablish a line of scrimmage. So man, I'm I'm excited to watch him. But Mike, I'm telling I I as I said to him when I when I when it was off camera. I said, dude, and you and I played the same position. 
Yeah, you know. Now, now, granted, granted, when I played it, I was about 285, 290 most of my career. But even at 285, 290, I would disappear behind him because he's just so thick and wide. So just, just an incredible athlete for size. And then you realize how big and how quick he is. Well, we see that all the time with these guys. They're just bigger, they're quicker, they're stronger. It's amazing. I've been impressed with him in his interviews, uh, speaking about yeah. just around, like, what did you get from him that you got more impressed <laughs> with what's going on between the ears with him? Well, I mean, I, I always love uh, this this era of player that understands players that came before and to learn from them. Mm-hmm. You know, his talk about, you know, I grew up watching Fletcher Cox, and now I'm playing with him, so I picked his brain. I wanted to talk to him. But, you know, a lot of times, you, you sometimes you get the higher pick guys that come in and think they already know it all. Not everybody. But, man, I mean, I remember my dad telling me, you know, going into new situations, keep your mouth shut and your eyes and your ears open and learn from the people that have been there. And I always respected that. And I tried to pass that on to Mike and Jake and Sydney, you know, as well, or any younger person I would talk to. Guys are in the league. Fletcher Cox's been in the league for a reason. He's good and he's doing things right. So why wouldn't you try and learn from him? And that's what that's what, that's what Jordan Davis said he did. You know, so I, I respect that part of it. I loved the story though. He was a basketball guy. He loved basketball as a as a kid more than football. Oh, wow. He played football for one year in Little League and then stopped playing until high school because he was playing basketball. But when he was playing in Little League, he didn't even really want to play. His mom wanted him to play. His mom told him, listen, we're going shopping and we're going to be walking around for a while, so put some good shoes on. And she had already talked to the coach of the Little League team. And so Jordan got in the car thinking he was going shopping. She dropped him off at the field and left him. She dropped him off to the coach. And oh and then the God. coach took him, and that's how he played his first year. She goes, "Yeah, my mom fooled me and and, and dropped me off at the football field." Mama Davis she told me we were going. No wonder shopping. he didn't want to play after that. I, he was abducted by football. You know, how about Scarred it? Scarred by football. It? Yeah, but yeah, then he stopped then and for a bunch of years and just played basketball, then picked it up again, and obviously was was pretty darn good at it. So wow. I, I, I can't listen. Imagine, I like the given his combine numbers. What? Yeah, go ahead, Dad. I I I, I yeah. am curious because the Eagles are getting a ton now. They mm-hmm. traded for C.J. Gardner-Johnson from the Saints. Yeah. And I feel like after that, you started to see, while they were looked at neck and neck, I think with Dallas for a while, the Tyron Smith injury and then that acquisition had people looking up going, holy shit, this roster is really good. And they think the quarterback's probably just good enough to go ahead and kind of boost them to where they can go. Yeah, I, I think the Eagles are going to win the East uh, over Dallas. We'll see what happens with Dallas. Tyron Smith obviously getting hurt hurts, but he hasn't played a full season in, what, five, six years. It's been a minute. He's yeah. missed 30-some yeah. games over that time, so it's not like he's been there. Uh, Zach Martin's been the most consistent one there, and now they have other new guys as well. But you're right, you know, Tyler Smith, who was a tackle in college and was playing left guard, is now going to have to go to left tackle. And we'll see. They signed Jason Peters. He'll be on the practice squad for a couple of weeks, and we'll see. Now, he is a 40-year-old, so we'll we'll see how much he can help. But I do like the Eagles to to win the division. Uh, Do you think Jalen Hurts is going to be the guy long-term for them? Because my whole thing with the Eagles going into this season, and you and I both did our power rankings that DraftKings is going to put out every week, junior versus senior, like Orange County Chopper, which I'm very excited about. Ah, ah, Um, ah, Nice. 
now, yeah, it's it. Um, so going and looking at the rankings here, neither of us had the Eagles in the top five. You no. went Buffalo, Los Angeles, Tampa, Cincinnati, and Kansas City. I went Buffalo, Kansas City, Los Angeles, Los Angeles with the Chargers at four, and then Green Bay at five. But there's a lot of people that have Philadelphia making it to the final four, Philadelphia making it pretty far in the playoffs. My doubts there come with Jalen Hurts because, yeah. again, while he's a really good quarterback, and a potent rushing threat with Miles Sanders in that backfield and a guy who's gotten better everywhere he's gone. I still just think talent-wise, at some point when you get to that level of the postseason with the caliber of quarterbacks that we're talking about, 2017 aside, you need that dude to be able to press past that point. And I don't think push comes to shove when you get to play off football and everyone's going to say, all right, we, we know what the Eagles want to do and rely on that ground game that Nick Sirianni leaned into in the back half of last season smartly. I think at some point when you've got to throw consistently downfield to win that game, there's potent receivers in that room, but I still question the top-end ability that would get them over the hump when all other things are close to equal that time of year. I, I agree. I think, listen, I, I know they can be a really good running team. We know that. We know the offensive line is really good, uh, you know, barring injury. Let's hope Jason Kelsey can stay put together. He already had, what, a elbow procedure in the offseason. I like the defense as well, but, I mean, you're, you're right, you know. You know, Jalen Hurts completing 52% last year or two years ago, 61% last year, 16 touchdowns, nine interceptions. You're not, I don't think you can go far doing that, right? I mean, and that's in 15 games played. So, so I, I, I agree with you. I think they can win that division. I think, yes, can they do a dent in the playoffs? We'll see. But to get where they want to go, I think is going to be tough, you know, because you look at teams, what team can live without. A thirty and thirty touchdown, ten interception guy. You know, you'd like to see that out of Hurts. I think a team like Cleveland, mm. you know, that has a great offensive line, two great backs. You know, you get Amari Cooper now. You got an excellent defense. I think with Jacoby Brissett, who, when you look at him, whenever he started over like uh, double digit games, he's never thrown double digit interceptions. So he's that managing quarterback who I think can still take that team somewhere because of the talent. Philly has a lot of talent, but I do think I agree with you. I, I think Jalen's going to have to light it up a little bit because the talk this year has been Jalen Hurts and, and Tua uh, Tungavailoa, right? Who Who is going to play well enough to be that quarterback of the future? And if you make me say it, I'm going to say Jalen Hurts over Tua. Now, we'll see. You know, time will tell on that. But I agree with you for Philly to get further than just winning the division and making a dent. Jalen's going to have to to come up with some some bigger plays downfield. And I want to ask you real quick about your top five, because we are going to do the top five every week. How is the one team that was in the Super Bowl and lost, oh, all man. they did was improve their team? How do you not have Cincinnati in the top five? Their, their huge deficiency was the offensive line, and they so went after that in the offseason to build that up. And you don't have me in your, their, your, their top five. How, Mike? How? So, I I think for me, I go back to, yes, while I even said last year during the postseason, this is probably the worst version of Cincinnati we're going to see for a while. It was still a team that was inconsistent. I get largely because of that during the regular season. 
But the defense stepped up in a big way. So much of that postseason run was getting hot at the right time. I think they'll be a more consistent team this year. I just also think the rest of the AFC is so loaded. We've talked about that as the premier division in football. I don't think the Bengals are going to win their division. I think the Ravens are going to win that Oh, you do? Yeah, see, I think Cincinnati is, yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, I think Baltimore, just by nature of getting healthy, we talked to Aaron Schatz from Football Outsiders, and Baltimore wasn't just the most injured team in the NFL last year. They're historically yeah. one of the most injured teams in football last season, in the last like couple of decades. And so I, I think with that in mind and with Lamar Jackson and the situation he's in, I think that's a team that's going to win that division. And so you're talking about the Bengals again, you know, in you know, talking about the Bengals in wild card range, which is definitely possible. But I just think if healthy, so much of the rest of that division, whether it's in the AFC West, whether it's the Ravens in their own division, are in a better spot than that team right now. And I think the Chargers, who I put in that top five, are in that category. They've got a quarterback who's an absolute mutant. Joe Burrow is a great quarterback, a clutch quarterback, who did what so many top overall picks have failed to do. But I just think, too, with that, you have an offensive line with four new starters on it. That's not going to be perfect right away. It's certainly going to be better than it was last year. Don't get me wrong. But it's not going to be perfect right away. That's a position that takes a little while to gel, especially if you want to run as much empty and five- and six-man protection as the Bengals run with Joe Burrow in that offense. So I just think there's going to be a little bit of an adjustment period, as you talked about. The Browns are in transition but have a good roster. The Ravens are going to get better in a hurry, and I don't think that division is necessarily going to feel the same as it did last year for a team that was also not as good in the regular season as it just got in the postseason at the right time in the Bengals. I, I think the team that I hem and hawed the most about was was probably the Chargers. Thank you. I didn't have them in my top five, but I, that that's a team I, I was trying to find a place for them. And again, this is going into the season, so obviously our top five is going to consistently change. And they'll, they'll probably make their way in there, but but right in the beginning, that was that was the one I had the toughest time with. I think another surprise that we always do this each year because there's always four or five teams that don't make the playoffs that actually make it the next year, you know. And you, so you look at teams like that. I, I like the Saints this year. I really mm. like the, what the Saints, you know, have the possibility of doing this year. I really do. So to that end, uh, Dad, usually. I think in any given season, what's the, that? there's always a team that goes from winning six or fewer games that makes the playoffs in the next season. Right. <clears throat> so with that in mind, I want to pull up that list of teams that could be worst to first territory here. Six or the fewer Jets, wins. Wow. Okay. I believe that's the – I believe that's usually what it is. Yeah, it happens every year. A team. Uh, this was uh, Thor Nystrom, who writes right. for uh, Fantasy Pros, uh, said it happens every year. Which team that won six or fewer games, uh, six or fewer last year, do you think will make the leap into the playoffs this year? Which means the options are the Jets, Texans, Jags, Giants, Bears, Lions, and Panthers. Wow. Oh, my God. Uh, Panthers easy, right? I'm, I'm, I think – well, I – Yeah. I, I'm probably going to lean toward them, even though you have Tampa Bay and the Saints in that division. So, man, because I'm trying to look at yeah. the rest of the division. Well, and I think realistically it's got to be an NFC team this year because in the yeah. AFC it's yeah. just too loaded. You're not going to have – as much as I think that the Jags offense is going to get a lot better this season and they've got some fun young talent on defense – 
the AFC just too much this year for anyone to make a dent in that hide. So take them out here, take the Jets out, take the Texans out automatically. The Bears are going to be awful this season. Yeah. Does, does I, Dan Campbell make a run? See, I think the Lions and the Panthers are really the only two teams that you have to select from here. I agree. I'm trying to ignore the Hard Knocks Kool-Aid, man, because you watch that and you get so excited and it happens every year. But, Dad, I also think the Lions team is built really well up front yeah. on both sides of the ball. They've done a good job of creating a foundation for a team that I think, and let me know what you think on this, I think the Lions next year might be too good to be in a high draft spot. I think they could be around a 500 team this year. And so you wouldn't be picking as high as you want to, to be in the Bryce Young sweepstakes or for a lot of the quarterback class that people really like in college this year. I wonder if there would be a candidate for a veteran coming on the market. And I've said this on this podcast before, like Derek Carr in Las Vegas, if they choose to get rid of him because they've got a contract out after this year. So yeah, that's a good question because if you're Detroit, do you feel your team is good enough to bring in a veteran to try and win now, or do you think you need to build with a with a big? I mean, because there's going to probably be what four first round quarterbacks next year, unlike this year. There, there, there's some decent quarterback talent out there um, coming up in this draft. So if they don't get the top one, you know, maybe they're in position to to get one of the three or four, even if they have to trade up a little bit. Do you do that as opposed to go for a veteran? That's a that's a good question, but I. Just for the hell so, of it, I'll, I'll take Detroit. Why not? Yeah, man. It's Denver, Carolina. It. You're right. It is one of those. But three. like, but with the Bucks and the Saints, it's very similar to the Vikings and in, in, in the Packers, is it not? Well, the Vikings, here's the thing. The Vikings, to me, are just good enough not to be good and not bad enough to suck. I mean, they live in limbo. That's the Saints. Right? That, that, that's where they are. And you're right. That is that is the Saints. That That's they both finished with almost the same record. What Minnesota eight and nine, Saints were nine and eight. But I'm telling you, I like the Saints this year. Michael Thomas back, uh, Jameis Winston stay away from the injuries. Fourteen touchdowns, three interceptions in seven games. You know you got Kamara still. I I kind of like. I, I'm I'm really interested in that team this year. I'm with you. I think the Saints, and I mean, the defense is going to be otherworldly. That's because we're asking if one of these divisions could be a three playoff team division. Right. Because we think that you're going to have the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and likely the New Orleans Saints coming from the NFC South and from the NFC North. I have Green Bay in the Super Bowl this year. I have them going up against the Chiefs in the Super Bowl this season. Oh, you do? Okay. I do, yeah. That's my that's my Super Bowl matchup for this year. I had them in the Final Four. I think injury-wise, timing up with getting some of their offensive linemen back as the season goes along. And then for both the Green Bay Packers and the Kansas City Chiefs, little bit of Ewing theory this year where you lose the guy that had been the mainstay in your receiver room, and so now the love gets spread a little more. Green Bay is a little more on defense, so – Man, if I'm going to pick a – because the other thing is Baker Mayfield and then that Carolina Panthers defense, that was money last year. Yeah, it was, and hopefully – Especially in the first half of the season. And if Christian McCaffrey has to stay healthy, obviously. True. And the reports out of Carolina's training camp are that Christian McCaffrey hasn't just looked good. He's looked phenomenal. So if he's healthy, he's back in a difference maker. DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson are a potent receiver tandem. It's just, can the offensive line that they brought in some veterans from outside there, I think it was Bradley Bozeman from the Ravens and Austin Blythe 
who was out right. in Los Angeles. You draft Ike Aquanu there, who it was some up, some down with him in camp. Can that unit gel soon enough? And then do you get good Baker? Do you get a good enough Baker Mayfield who gets the revenge game in week one that I am betting the Carolina Panthers to win? Because God Are damn you it, really? do I love revenge. <clears throat> they're they're one and a half point um, favorites in this game because it's a home game. Right. So neutral site, the Browns would be a favorite. But I don't, I don't know, man. There's just something about knowing they've got explosive potential. I think knowing that defense can really come out, and especially because it's Jacoby Brissett. So you feel like it's going to be a little bit more of a one-dimensional operation. Right, yes. I don't expect that downfield passing attack for the Browns to necessarily be up and running. And so it's can they come in and get them off schedule, and then can Baker just do enough on offense against a team who he knows and knows him very well? Yeah, I, I mean, listen, we just don't know which Baker is going to be there, right? We've seen great Baker. We've seen bad Baker. We've seen hurt Baker. So we don't know. I'm, I'm going with the Browns in this one. I still think the Browns overall are a better team. Um, but we'll see. It's week one. Even with preseason, it's still week one, and you, you see what kind of mistakes can be made. But, uh, you know, but as we mentioned with Carolina, you look at divisions. Which divisions do you think can have three representatives? I, I don't think the NFC South can. I think that's going to be tough. I think you're looking at the AFC West. You can have three. Maybe yeah. the NFC West again like they did last year, depending on, on Arizona. And San Fran, how well Trey Lance plays or how quickly he's pulled for Jimmy Garoppolo um, if, yeah. if that starts to go south. You know, can the AFC North have three I, teams? Thank you. Thank you. You know, in it. I think I think that, that's what I'm looking at. I'm looking at the AFC North mainly because of he who shall not be named, Voldemort, will be back. And then this, if they're going to be comp- – they're going to be – the Ravens were at the bottom of this division last year, right? They're hungry. They're healthy. They're, I think they're taking everything very seriously. And I just I just feel like it's clearly their division. The The Bengals was that team that la- the season before last in AFC North that ends up to the, the start the AFC, uh, be at the very top. And the Steelers are just going to be competitive for everyone else. But the game I'm looking at to kind of start uh, to – was going to set a tone for the season is the Ravens Jets game where if it was Zach Wilson starting, I feel like my, my Ravens had a better chance or a better shot. I think the the line is only like, like six and a half or something like that. Uh, but that Joe Flacco yeah. revenge stuff, it's just, I, it's not, it's not the same team. It's not that he knows the team. It's not like that, like that level of knowledge. It's just that, that uniform it's uniform versus you're uniform. worried about that game i'm worried about Are joe flacco really? i am i'm worried about joe flacco not me not me right. i i like Before- the ravens all the way in this one yeah <laughs> yeah yeah give me give me the raven give me the ravens and lay the points in yeah. this one i am yeah. not worried about the jets <laughs> no. i'm I think I actually am going to take the over in that game too. Looking at where that one was at, but we'll get to we'll get to some picks later here. So, Dad, you're going Lions for the six uh, six loss team or more to make the playoffs. Brandon, who do you want to go with in that? Where were we on the other side? Uh, that it was the Texans, the Jets, and Jacksonville. I think. Good luck. Go ahead, pick one of those. Yeah, it was Jets, Texans, Jags, Giants, Bears, Lions, and Panthers. And I really think it's a two-horse race with the Lions and Panthers. That's, I agree. that's what it was. Yep. I think I, I, I'm, I'm leaning towards the Panthers. I, I like – I like, I don't like, but I like. The, the ceiling is there. Because let's I – mean, you said all the different versions of Baker. This is – we've never seen scorned on, on a new team trying to be the hot new boyfriend Baker. And I think that's what we're going to get this season. 
I think if I'm if I'm accounting for variance, I'm saying I would give it to the Carolina Panthers and give them that opportunity. There's part of me that thinks that Matt Rule's the first coach fired this season, that yep. it happens in the middle of the year. Yep. So there's a huge delta in what can go on for this team. But for the Lions on the other side, I feel like there's a good floor set. It's just too much at the top of that division right now. And I think we saw them lose so many of those close games last year. I still don't think Jared Goff can be that dude. Whereas Baker Mayfield, every once in a while when he was healthy, could give you some yeah, of that. So yeah. I'll go Panthers with you, Brandon. Dad, you're going Lions yeah. on that one. I This is me trying to emotionally hedge knowing that I'm bought into that team because of hard knocks. So yeah, yeah. try and do that as best I can. But um, Dad, a lot of exciting games on the schedule this weekend. I do want to get to some of yours. You've got the Sunday Nighter, Tampa and Dallas. I, with all the drama leading up, it feels like it's got every off-the-field buzz headline there. What are you expecting from this game-wise? What are you looking at here? Well, I, I think, you know, the, the two things to me are going to be how does, you know, and it's not the sexy thing to talk about, but how does Tampa Bay deal with the fact that their, you know, interior O-line has been shredded? I mean, shredded from retirement to, to injury to assigning somewhere else to another injury. You know, between Stinney and Jensen, you have injuries. Marpet uh, retires. And um, who was it that uh, Kappa that left went mm-hmm. to Cincinnati? I mean, and you're talking about a stationary quarterback. You know, it'd be a little different if you had a mobile quarterback who could escape. But, you know, and, and we keep talking about how edge rushers, you know, you love watching an edge rusher, but quarterbacks hate the pressure out the middle more than anything else. They hate the garbage around them, especially guys that don't move. And Tom doesn't move. You can frustrate him by hitting him. He he gets animated when he gets hit too much. So to me, that's going to be an issue. You know, that's going to be an issue. You're going to have a rookie starting in there on the line. Then you got a Domer and, and Hainsey starting at center. Um, you know, Shaq Mason was a nice get from New England. Yeah. yeah. Um, but that that's an area that that I wonder about. Listen, they got a ton of wide receivers, ton of wide receivers to throw to. We'll see what Fournette does in in running. I love Leonard Fournette. Leonard Fournette said he plays about 238, 240. He he like a lot of guys has a personal chef in the offseason, but a lot of times cuz he like games, he does gaming all night to like 4 or 5 o'clock and then he wants to make a run to Waffle House, so he tells his chef, "I'll see you at lunch." <laughs> so, so his chef doesn't, doesn't make him, you know, this this great breakfast. He goes to Waffle House after gaming all night and then tells the chef, yeah, cook me something good at lunch. So I love that. So that that to me is the storyline for uh, Tampa. I love that Vita Vea was named a captain for the first time in his career. Yes, I, I yeah. love that guy. That's great. Uh, so I think that's a very cool moment uh, thing for him. And for Dallas, are we going to see the changeover to more Pollard? Pollard has been Tony Pollard and Zeke in the backfield. They Pollard's been more explosive the last couple of years. Zeke had a really good first four games, averaging I think over ninety yards a game. Hurt his PCL and the rest of the uh, of the season averaged about forty five yards a game. So that was tough for him. Pollard, will you see him both on the field at the same time? Pollard's been working a lot in the slot, so seeing them both on the field. And here's your stat for you that that you can you know keep count at home. Last year, when Pollard and Zeke each rushed the ball 10 times or more each in the same game, they're 7-0. and And in, this, and in those 7-0 and wins, they've won by over 16 points. Damn. So they've dominated those games. So 
Let's see. That that to me is because I love the defense for Dallas, where they're going, and Micah Parsons, what he's going to do next. But I, I, I want to see that offense on how they're going to split time with Pollard. And I know it's still around Zach. I get it. I still don't understand getting rid of Amari Cooper, but that had a lot to do with, with the Zeke you know deal that he had. To, but to me, it's Zeke and Tony Pollard and how they split that up. Because remember, this is the last year of Zeke's guaranteed money. So could, he's on under contract till like 26 or 25, but this is a last year guaranteed money. Could have, So it could be his last year. And this is Tony Pollard's last year under contract. So he's a free agent next year. So how does that whole dynamic work as well? If you think one of them stays next season or they both go, who, who, who do you think we're going we're gonna to see? I think Pollard stays. If, if anybody stays, I think Pollard stays. Pollard can do a little more. He's more explosive, about a yard and a half more per play. Then Zeke, like I said, lines up in the slot, can be that guy out of the backfield as well. So if there's only going to be one, I'd lean toward Pollard. Now, again, Zeke is supposedly in the best shape of his life, healthy, yeah. you know, coming back. So listen, guys know more than anybody. They, they know what's on the line. He knows he's on a contract till 26, but his guaranteed money is done. They all know the business side of football and what they need to do and how difficult it is for that position of running back to continue to get big deals. I do wonder too, because so much focus is going to be there, the offensive line. Yeah. I do wonder how much more if they go back to like, remember when they started, I think it was 2020 in the game against Tampa. Didn't they play them the first, I think they were the Thursday night open. Well, that was, was last, last year. year or was it last year. Last year. It was a 31-29 so, game. It was like 32nd, last 32nd field goal, I think, by Tampa. And it was the game where Dallas came out and essentially ran the fucking air raid in that right, game. And right. everyone said, this isn't sustainable and you won't be able to do this. I do wonder, because the O-line's been so banged up, if that's going to have to be how they try and win games this season. Now that you have a healthy Dak Prescott is to say, hey, we're going to put you back there. We might put both running backs on the field and give you some quick outlets. But at the end of the day, we need healthy Dak Prescott, who's not rehabbing for like the first time in his Cowboys career to go out there and be able to carry the load on this thing while we figure out what Tyler Smith's going to be able to do as a rookie here, what the rest of this offensive line does as Zach Martin looks around wondering where the hell all of his friends went. Yeah, how about it? What's interesting, Mike, and you would know this from an offensive line perspective, Kevin Moore said about last year's game, because it looked unbelievably, you know, non-equal. I think it was 18 runs to like 50-some passes. But Kellen Moore said a lot of those passes occurred at the line of scrimmage where that was the look that they got, Mm -hmm. where they had running plays, but the look that they got changed to passing play. So it wasn't that they went in and said, we're going to pass more. He he, he was trying to say, and again, you can answer best to this as an offensive player, that the looks they got turned some of those into passing plays. Yeah, and I mean, hell, this is the RPO world that we live in now, too, where certainly that can be built in. But, Dad, I mean, for years they've been doing check and kill plays at the line where box counts and how many defenders are near the line of scrimmage will dictate that because even an offensive lineman who is as drunk on wanting to run the damn ball as anyone else will occasionally look at a box look and be like, all right, we're running nine on seven like we do in practice where they know what we're trying (laughs) to do and everyone else – 
throw the ball out there and let's get one of these guys get four or five yards on the perimeter so that we can soften up the middle there, try and get them to buy more defenders to the outside. I, I, I'm with you. They got to stretch it east and west. I know Kellen Moore is going to be under a bit of pressure because, man, he was the wonderkin for them for so long. He was the guy people thought they would fire Mike McCarthy for potentially before they bottomed out offensively in the back half of that season. So I feel like he's certainly going to have a lot of a bunch of pressure on him going into this year to try and go and improve that, all right, you can scheme some plays around right. what this offense's deficiencies are going to be in the early going here up front. Yeah, I, I'm I'm really looking I, – listen, I, we, I sit there and I talked about the offensive line and the running attack for, for both teams, but we know – I mean, I didn't even mention Brady or Dak, but we know how much is going to be relied yeah. on them. You know, and your former teammate, Mike, Kyle Rudolph, how much does he get used in that offense with no Gronk? No, no Gronk. Cameron Brait, it's amazing – when you yep. look at Cameron Brait, where he stands in Tampa Bay Buck history from a tight end standpoint, I think people would be shocked how high up he is in some of the rankings of, of what he's done. So I, I think he's an underrated guy as well. Now you have Kyle as well to help. A plethora, a plethora of wide receivers. The arsenal for Tom Brady is there. It's just a matter of how the 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 um you know, it can hold up in front of him. You know, the pressure he gets. Though, even if it's quicker pressure, he has the ability to get the ball out, even short to these guys to get yards after the catch. Listen, most importantly, Julio Jones is wearing a single-digit number now after starting training camp in 85. So you can unlock the full potential of that offense and prosper because you have let swag go and dictate the results the way it should on God's green earth here, Brandon. Well, I think I may be reading too much into this, but I do want your opinion on this. Everyone talks about how, well, I'll say specifically Ross Tucker. I talked about this on the podcast. He's talked about when he was with the Patriots, one of the reasons uh, he was so good was he didn't want to let Tom Brady down because he was so dedicated to the game. Is Tom Brady kind of half in, half out right now at this point in career going to affect the the team and how they they, they fight for him? No? No, I don't think so at all. I I think they all know it revolves around Brady. He had a great year last year. I know he left and – all the, the swirling reports out there. But the again, I think as you guys know, um, once you get to the facility, everything is out. Once yeah. you're in that facility, it's like everybody has the single-mindedness of what you're trying to achieve. Uh, it's amazing how a locker room or a facility has that effect that everything else you leave outside. So, no, I do not think that at all. Um I, I've been afraid to say anything like this because we were all so wrong about it. I do think it's going to be his last year. Um, I, I think I think we are finally getting there after all of us being wrong on how long he was going to play. But I don't think it'll it'll affect, especially if he feels it's his last year. He, I mean, you want to talk about balls at a wall to finish winning the Super Bowl? I mean, hell yeah. Man. Well, well, speaking about boss to the wall, speaking about boss to the wall, you're our resident dad here. We're going into football season. This is very important. I need uh, your advice on um, first married folks, sex life during football season. Like, do we schedule things? Is it is it about communication? This is are we planning babies for postseason? Because like, if you have a baby, if you consummate in October, then you have a baby in July, and there's a lot of late nights during football season. Like, how do you how do you organize intimacy with with your partner during football season? Whenever the situation arises. Oh. Are you kidding me? Okay. Okay. 
Well, I, I, scheduling? How, well, you're I'm too hungry. young to be scheduling. Listen, listen, offense versus defense. A lot of people read and react. That's kind of how I often operate. But then some people are off, offensive-minded people. They schedule their 88s and, you know, try to two-minute drill their way out of it. I just didn't know if there was a plan. I didn't know if you had any advice on the matter. I had no, – you know what? Wow. I had all three kids – well, two – while I was playing during the season, Sydney was born when I retired, but I didn't expect to be retired. The league retired me at that point. Sorry but Mike that. was born in September and Jake was born in, in, in December. So, no, I didn't think about that, Brandon. Okay. When the moment struck, take advantage, do your thing, man. Okay. okay? I right. mean, seriously. What are you pulling a journal out? I, I, I mean, mean, what I the hell? Have, I mean, Brandon, just... Brandon, I, Brandon, I mean this sincerely. Fuck you for bringing up my parents having sex on this podcast. <laughs> Mike had to deal with that. Mike for. had to deal with that enough in the in the in the locker room at Notre Dame when we play the the porn music. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, Brandon. You're gonna you're gonna have to come come run these hands after this podcast. Your dad, <laughs> thanks you, thank you. Safe travels this weekend. Your top five stinks, but I won't hold that against you. Whatever, we'll see. Sound the trumpets. It's horse racing time. So saddle up for the action with DK Horse, an official DraftKings affiliate. Right now, new customers who download the DK Horse app can get a 100% deposit bonus up to $250. Just deposit $25 or more and complete the playthrough requirement. Wager on your favorite horses, then watch the races live right in the app. Download the DK Horse app now. New customers get a 100% deposit bonus up to $250 when they opt in with code GOLIC. Only on the DK Horse app. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER, 18+, plus, 21+, plus in certain states, to open or access an account and resident of a state where DK Horse is available. Eligibility restrictions apply. Void where prohibited. One per new customer. Match calculated on first deposit up to a maximum of $250. Deposit requires two-time playthrough of settled wager within 168 hours. Bonus released in $25 increments. Deposit and eligibility restrictions apply. See terms at dkhorse.com. Really glad Jordan Davis didn't beat the shit out of my dad. That would have been really awkward. Thank you to him for showing mercy in that moment. Seems like a very nice young man. Uh, Brandon, uh, before we get to this, that, and the third, finish off the week in the podcast and send everyone into a beautiful football weekend. We talked about it last week, the thick six, pick, thick six picks every Friday. Last weekend wasn't so cute. We reviewed it on Monday, ended up going two and four on a yeah. slate that was entirely college games because we didn't have any NFL. This week, we're going to go three college and three pro for the thick six heading into the weekend. All these odds, courtesy of DraftKings Sportsbook, uh, all exciting things that you can check out there. Um, Brandon, let's start off with the college ones here. Tell me what you think of this. I'm going North Carolina minus seven against Georgia State. Hear me out on this one. North Carolina just got the big scare in Boone against App State last weekend. They got scared by a, you know, a group of five team, a Sunbelt team that had a stingy defense and was going to try and run the ball on you on offense. Enter Georgia State, who runs that version of the spread option on offense. And defensively, man, that is a salty group. They made life a living yeah. hell for South Carolina last week. And they're going to do it because North Carolina is not that strong up front. But North Carolina's got a quarterback that can sling it and is a bit of a dual threat himself. They got weapons all over. I think not only do they end up having enough weapons to score, they also have a bye after this. They play. They have a bye next week, and then they play Notre Dame the weekend after that. And so you get the shit scared out of you by a team and app that you went on the road and should have yeah. known was going to give you trouble, and instead you allowed 44th quarter points. 
You get to get scared straight in practice that week by the coaching staff. They get to send a tough message, doing it off of a win, and tell you to not take this team lightly because you also don't have the trap game scenario where Notre Dame's right after. you got that bye week right. in the middle. So I think North Carolina manages to get through that. I got Anthony Richardson as the Florida Gators host the Kentucky Wildcats. Anthony Richardson over 59.5 rushing yards. He had up over 100 like against that. Utah in their first game. And, Brandon, if you go back and look at Kentucky last year, they gave up over 80 rushing yards when Emory Jones was the quarterback at Florida, gave up right around 50 yards to Hendon Hooker when they played Tennessee last year. So this is a group that lost some important guys to them on defense. Offensively, we know, I think it's going to be a bit of a different balance. They lost Wandale Robinson. Guys up front, their running back room is super banged up right now as their starter, Chris Rodriguez, is still out right now because of a suspension. So, I like Anthony Richardson to get over that total. And then the last one's the homer pick, but as someone who defended Tommy Reese at every turn this past week, Notre Dame minus 20 against Marshall. Rashim Ali, who has had an undisclosed absence from the team, is still not going to be there. Their star running back that was sensational last year. Really fun guy to watch. I think between that and their offensive line having a bunch of turnover from last year, Notre Dame covers the number. Tommy Reese dials up some big shots and gets Tyler Buckner in the downfield passing game. Go Irish, beat Herd. Go Irish, beat Herd. Yeah, first home game for Marcus Freeman. They are putting his cups on the uh, – or his face on the cups that they are selling in the stadium there. I was about to say, what kind of cups are we talking about? Um, They're like commemorative cups that have his face on them. I know when you say giving away his cups, I thought you were thinking like, you know, old school. Oh, no. Not football, football equipment. Uh, by the way, uh, too, we did the uh, profit boost last week for everyone on DraftKings Sportsbook. This week, they have the college football stepped-up parlay offer this week. You get an additional boost for every leg you add to your college football parlay all the way up to 100%. So as you keep going there, if you want to tie these together, turn it into the front, the nice three-leg parlay that you can start off with, and then get creative with things after that. So plenty of great offers there. I'll tweet out some stuff about that uh, coming up later today, but you can head over to DraftKings Sportsbook and check that out. Brandon, let's also take a look at the NFL. You'll appreciate this one. Yes. I have Baltimore and the New York Jets going over 44.5. The Joe Flacco revenge game notwithstanding, I think Baltimore gets off to a hot start against this Jets defense. I have the 49ers minus 7 against the Chicago Bears. I weep for Justin Fields going up against that 49ers defensive front in this game. I think this Bears team has a chance to be very, very uncomfortable, and I think the 49ers are a nightmare matchup for them in game one, even if it is Trey Lance's first rattle out of the box. Can I can I throw a, a monkey wrench in this right now? Uh-huh. If you could set an alternate line for that, what would you be comfortable with? If I could set an alternate line with that where I would take Chicago – no, no, just like even just, you know, messing with the points a little bit, considering that defense and, uh, I mean, in the Bears defense. <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm comfortable with it at seven, man. I, I really just think the Kyle Shanahan factor and how potent that pass rush is on defense, it's nightmare fuel for Justin Fields. I almost looked at some turnover props for him, but ended up deciding on this one straight up for the Niners. And then the last one is a total heart bet or a total, I should say, like, Dumb brain bet where I like revenge games. Carolina minus one and a half against the Browns. Baker Mayfield revenge game right out of the gate here. 
all of the stuff leading up to this one. Jacoby Brissett at the helm for the Cleveland Browns, who we know all the strengths of that team there. You've got, you know, Amari Cooper in the receiver room now. You've still got the running back room with Nick Chubb in it. All the cells are there, but I just think, one, as we talked to Anish Shroff, voice of the Rams on this podcast before, that ran, that, uh, excuse me, of the Panthers, that Panthers defense under Phil yes. Snow is a fast, physical, and scary unit. Panthers got some weapons. I think they can pull that one off. So that's the six, thick six plays of the week. I'll tweet those out. We'll make sure we have the honor system going around there. Plenty more DraftKings Sportsbook, like we said. But Brandon, we also have to make sure that heading into the weekend, everyone looks good so they can feel good, so they can play good, so that we get paid good. And that is with our friends right. at Knockaround Sunglasses that you are currently modeling right now. Knockaround's polarized sunglasses, just $30 a pair. I know, stunning that you could look so good and it could cost so little. And that you have so many custom options. From the arms, the lenses, the logo color, you have, and believe me, I've checked the math on this several times, as Brandon on YouTube dons yet another pair of knockaround sunglasses because you can get over a billion possible combinations at the knockaround custom shop. They are perfect for going on a run if you are so inclined. I went on that today. I made myself a spicy new cutoff. Felt really good. Brandon now has three pairs of sunglasses on his head currently. He is knocking around harder than anyone has knocked around in the history of knocking around right now. He can fit those all on his head, by the way, because they're very lightweight. Very lightweight. And they have the rubber nose, so none of them slip, slide, or bounce, even if you put them in your hair. Knockaround sunglasses are high-quality polarized sunglasses at a truly affordable price. So check out their huge range of shades at knockaround.com or Brandon's head. But when you're at knockaround.com, you can type in promo code GOJO and get 20% off at checkout. Again, knockaround.com or Brandon's head, promo code GOJO, 20% off. Brandon, now that you are stacked up and ready to go, do you know what time it is? Yes, man. Thank you for asking On, 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 this, that, and other, my friend. And we'll keep on fighting to the end. This, that, and other, this, that, and other, of the world Stuck in just a little duet for the people Just a little bit Just to whet the appetite Brandon going out a champion on a Friday Because he knows what time hey. it is You know what I'm saying I just, you know, I just I was thinking about Queen You know what I mean Queen was on the brain Queen was on the brain, Brandon, and for good reason, Queen was on the brain, because we know, and this is a somber note to start this, that, and the third on for most people, Queen Elizabeth II, the longest reigning British monarch, passed away at the age of 96, and a long, full life. Obviously, there are a lot of people, especially on the U.S. side, that are huge fans of the royal family and follow a lot of that. My mom and sister are in that camp. I am not one of them. I'm just kind of a person that generally thinks it's sad when most people die and generally abide by speak no ill of the dead. But 
Brandon, not everyone agrees with that because good God almighty, this was one of those days on Twitter where I was amazed at how quickly people turned to getting the jokes off. Yes, yes. Um, the first knee-jerk reaction, uh, second thought reaction, uh, I was thinking maybe, I was like, is this patriotism at, at one point? Like, I was like, why are all these jokes in the tuck? Um, but God save us and, uh, and um, God bless the dead as always. I They had a moment of silence for the Queen before the Rams-Bills game. And there was a part of me after today that wondered if she was going to get booed. That was the point that we had gotten to. And I wasn't. Yeah, I was waiting. I thought you were going to tell me that that happened. (laughs) Yeah, no. uh, Yeah, the the intricacies as to why uh, so much of this strife took place online are for people much smarter than me. Go ahead and check out the Shutdown full cast. I'm sure they will be going into great detail on this in a way that I could never match. Can I say one joke that I saw that of course tickled res- me respectfully respectfully uh it was someone t- uh, a, a woman said I told my mom the queen died she going to holler back at me Latifa so that's the thing that I want to bring to the podcast. Thankfully, Queen Latifah is still with us. Amen. And we greatly Amen. appreciate that. Brandon, let's get to that. Uh, that is what we talked about with Dad. I had totally like missed in going over the week one schedule that the Denver Broncos were going and playing at Seattle revenge. on Monday Night Football in the biggest revenge, revenge game. Week. No disrespect to Baker Mayfield, but this feels like definite revenge and Russell Good Wilson point. was pretty candid talking into the media in the week up the uh in the lead up this week confirmed on Thursday that the Seahawks had actually tried to trade him before in 2018 and he also went on to say that you know he doesn't believe his skills and diminished but he said quote definitely they tried to a couple of times tried to see what was out there it was part of the business being a professional and everything else I believe in my talents of who I am I feel I am one of the best in the world so that's certainly something. The other something was definitely Pete Carroll asked about Russell Wilson coming back and playing in front of the Seahawks crowd and was asked about Seahawks fans and if they he expected them to boo Russell Wilson or cheer him. And Pete Carroll's quote was very odd. He goes, quote, you're either competing or you're not. I'm leaving it up to the 12s. What? He said, you know, it's a game time. We're going for what? it. However they take it, I'll follow their lead. I mean, I'm not going to be involved with that opportunity to react, so I don't have to make that decision. We'll see what happens, but I'm leaving it up to the 12s. Uh, what? Okay, that that is very surprising. I'm, I, have a, I have a visceral reaction, but I'm going to try to be more coach-minded after watching Hard Knocks, right? It's the whole concept that, like, every – I think they talk about it on the broadcast. Like, every new football team is a new team, right? It's no carryover. It's just, like, you got the guys you got this time around. And for Pete Carroll, while he's been in the NFL, he's just – in his mind, he's just had that one quarterback. And guess what? He's still at home, and he's trying to pump up his guy Gino. And he's like, 12, we need your help against this guy now. Crazy. Apparently, I, I for one, was a bit stunned by that just because of what Russ had meant 
to that organization and to so many people inside that building and to that fan base and as part of a Super Bowl run that was almost back to back. Like, I don't know. I I get that Russ has always been a weird guy, but it also seemed to fit the Pacific Northwest very well. It seemed very spiritually similar. So I don't I I don't expect them to same vibes. I don't expect them to boo him. That being said, I understand that's one of the best home field environments in pro football and yada yada. I got to imagine they appreciate what Russ did up there. Okay, and now that that goes back to my original point. I'm not sure if the 12 would have rather traded getting rid of Pete Carroll and keeping Russell Wilson. Yes, I would agree. I said at the time, if you had to choose between the two, it's an easy choice. One is a quarterback and one of the better ones in this generation, and the other is a head coach. And unfortunately, there's only so much effect they can have, especially for Pete Carroll, who seems like he has kind of started to really hold on to those old school values that worked for a long time. But in today's league, you wonder how much of that still is going to get them by, especially if you're a prospective young quarterback who might end up with that squad at some point after this year. So good for them, I guess. Um, Brandon, let's get, let's get to the third here. Uh, the third is really just uh, something I was excited about that was all over the screens yesterday and last night during the game. Glass Onion, a Knives Out mystery, coming out December 23rd oh in goodness. theaters. Holy shit, Brandon. The Knives Out franchise has now reached, for me, John Wick status, where as long as they make Stop. Knives Out movies, I will see them on blind faith. Okay, I, I thought you were going to say I thought you were going to say Kingsman, which I thought which was on that level for me. Like as soon as they start making more Kingsman's movies, I was like, "Yep, give it to me." And the second one had Samuel Jackson as a bad guy with a lisp, eating all of it up. Thank you very much. But I'm I'm still a little skeptical because Daniel Craig gives me pause. I know he's a great actor. Well, and but did it, you see the first it's, knives it's out? Too much centered around his facial expressions. Did huh? you see the first knives out? Yeah, of course. It was one of the most enjoyable, fun movie experiences I've had in a decade. It was an absolute blast. Daniel Craig, Ethan uh, Hawke, Kate Hudson, Edward Norton, Catherine, Catherine Hahn, Dave Batista shooting off a gun at a pool in a Speedo, Brandon. That doesn't appeal to you? No, because honestly, at this point in time, I feel like it's beneath uh B- dave batista because i think he's actually a really good actor i want to see him doing some of the whale stuff like brendan fraser like that i see seeing him shooting off a gun I'm like, okay oh what is this tw- is this 2017 man jada pinkett smith janelle monet in this movie too janelle monet okay there there we <laughs> yeah, go now, exactly now it's i don't know man i i just looked at this and they couldn't show that preview enough during that game absolutely lit a fire under my ass here much in the same way that watching dan campbell and that closing scene of hard knocks got me going in ways that i wasn't fully prepared for seeing this movie and knowing i'm gonna have it back in my life at some point this fall is gonna get me through some hard times coming up there is no doubt about that no can i say this real quick because this is this is my problem with knives out not my problem but it's it's a part a product a product of the times right the gentleman came out in 2019, it was right before the pandemic. I don't know if you remember, I came to Connecticut for my 30th. We mm-hmm. went, to, we had like Airbnb in Norwalk and we met up and had tapas to some random place in, in Connecticut. Michelle and I went and saw The Gentleman in theaters, right? That next weekend, I saw Knives Out 
and I think it was a little too similar for me. And that's and that's what I that's why I was like, okay, like this is just like you know in movies there's like uh, what was it just friends and friends no strings with, attached came out at the no same time. No strings attached and friends with benefits. Yeah. Oh, friends with benefits. Yeah, that's what. Like it's it, it was one of those the instances for me. So I didn't know which one of those was going to stick. I'm glad that Knives Out is the one that sticked, but it's also that's the one that was is more polished and less gritty. So you know, it's a, another win for District uh, One. Definitely a win for District 1. Definitely a win in the memory of Chris Evans' beautiful cream sweater in the first Knives Out movie. I have oh, no idea yeah. what fashion choice is going to wow us in this one. It might already be Dave Bautista Speedo because that feels like a pretty bold statement to make for a guy that spent most of his last movie-going experience covered in gray and red paint. So love that journey for him. Now he just gets to wear the normal tattoos that are on his body. Glass Onion, Knives Out movie, Bart Scott voice. Can't wait. Speaking of can't wait, we can't wait to get to this weekend, and we appreciate you waiting until all the way at the end of this podcast, because we know you all listen to every single minute of it, and we appreciate it. If you like what you hear, download, subscribe, rate, and review Gojo wherever you get your podcast. Five-star rating. Unsubscribe. Resubscribe. Hit the automatic download button. Make sure you leave us a five-star rating and a bunch of reviews out here. We know you've got it in you. You don't even have to try very hard. We don't expect a creative review every time. Just put some stuff there. Put a random emoji there. We don't give a shit. Just throw it up there. Go to subscribe to the Say hi. Say hi. Just that's all you gotta do. Say hi. Subscribe to the DraftKings YouTube page. Go and check out the Gojo of Michael O Jr. playlist. Hit the thumbs up button on that. Let people know you like it. Let people know you care. Everybody, have a great weekend. Enjoy week two of college football. Enjoy week one of the NFL season in its full intense glory. And we'll talk to you on Monday. Go.